Welcome to this month's Mac Learning webcast. I'm Scott Morris, your host and moderator. I want to remind our viewing audience that uh, during the course of the presentation, you can uh, text in through the chat window at the bottom of the viewer your questions, and we'll get to those questions at the end of the presentation. So please uh, uh, give us your questions. That's a very important part of the webcast. And uh, this morning, we're joined in the studio by Adam Berenger of BDocs. He's the founder of BDocs, and he's here to talk about a very, very cool application, an award-winning application, BDocs Timeline. Welcome to the studio, Adam. Thank you. I'm Adam Berenger, and I'm really looking forward to talk to you this morning about timelines. Here's the plan for the next hour. I'm going to introduce you to BDocs, the company, and give you a little background also on our timeline product. And then we'll talk about why timelines. Why are timelines relevant? Why should they be important to you? And then I will spend the bulk of the time walking you through BDocs Timeline, showing you how to create a timeline, how to style the colors and look of the timeline, how to um, use your timelines with other applications, and how to present them. Um, and then at the end, we'll cover some nuts and bolts like um, pricing and academic discounts and how you can get started using BDocs Timeline. And uh, then finally, at the end, we'll uh, do the question and answer. So that's the part I'm most looking forward to. I hope. Um, that everybody will at least think of one great question uh, to ask so that we can have a great uh, question-answer session at the end. So I founded BDocs in December of 2002. Um, it's a one-person company. I'm the only employee. Uh, so I design and develop and market and support the software. Um, but I've also had some great partnerships um, with different contractors and people that have helped with the graphic design and helped with some of the programming. And in fact, a number of those partners have been customers, um, which is really exciting for me to be able to have customers help me work on the software. I wanted to uh, briefly touch on the values of BDocs. This is something that I think about almost every day and um, am constantly talking about with the other people working on BDocs products with me. The first and most important one is human touch. I'm really interested in making uh, handmade uh, human products. Uh, I love techno technology, and BDocs is a technology company, but um, I'm always looking for ways to take technology and make it um, enhance human interactions and the human touch instead of automating away the human part. Second value is inspired by nature. Um, Instead of looking to competitors' products for inspiration, I'm really interested in kind of looking out at nature as, as great examples of form and function working together. For example, I think about um, how do colors function in nature? How does movement function in nature? How does communication and um, sound function in nature? Um, and I believe that if I can take lessons from that and put it into the software, that I will have innovative, interesting software that's fun to use. Uh, the third value is artisan products. By this, I mean that um, hopefully my products show a personality uh, and, a, and a culture. And uh, I'm not building generic products that are aimed to please everybody. I'm aiming to build products that some people can be very passionate about. 
And the fourth value is cinematic. This is something that Apple has encouraged third-party developers to embrace, to be cinematic, and it's a, a quality that I'm excited to uh, try to live up to. And beyond making my software and website cinematic, um, I think that if I can make my customers cinematic in their presentations, um, then it'll be great. Now I'd like to introduce you to BDOX Timeline, which is our flagship product and what I'm going to be talking about today. I started it in 2004, was the first release of BDOX Timeline. And the idea behind BDOX Timeline is to create a really great uh, world-class timeline charting software for Mac OS X. Um, it's the first timeline charting software built to take advantage of Mac OS X. And the idea for it came from a mailing list of um, the Mac Law mailing list, actually, where uh, lawyers who use Macs uh, discuss things on the web. And people were discussing that they, they wanted a timeline charting software for the Mac. And furthermore, they wanted one that they could use in real time while somebody was testifying or giving a, a deposition. They wanted to be able to have an assistant typing a timeline while the person was describing the events and have a fantastic-looking timeline um, at the end of that story. So that was a great challenge. How can you create beautiful, professional-looking timelines as fast as someone can describe the events in the timeline. BDX Timeline is, is really a collaboration with customers. Um, as I said, there's only one of me, um, but I feel like there's hundreds of people who have been involved in uh, making BDOX Timeline come alive. As I mentioned, the initial spark of the idea came from customers. Um, when I built the first version of it, I did a beta release every week and had a mailing list where I'd get hundreds of emails every week about the new release I'd released that, that Friday. Um, the more recent version I did, uh, BDOX Timeline 2.0, which I'll be showing you today, I had a private blog with several dozen customers, um, lawyers, teachers, students, professors, writers, uh, had this great um, group of people who are giving me feedback on the design drawings and uh, the initial versions as I was putting together the new version. So it's a really a collaboration with customers. And, and furthermore, as I mentioned, I've been able to hire several customers. So when I built the 3D functionality, um, I had that idea, but I was um, talking with a customer about some of their feature requests, and I saw in his signature that he had done, uh, that he was a 3D artist. So I was able to hire Gary Martin, one of my customers, to uh, build out the 3D functionality for me. And I have uh, another customer, Larry, right now, who is working with me on the next uh, generation of BDOX Timeline. I thought it would be appropriate to show you a timeline of BDOX Timeline. So here's a history of the BDOX Timeline releases um, in a 3D timeline. The first version came out December 23rd. 2004. This was two weeks after that initial conversation on the web that sparked the idea. I wanted to really throw an idea out there uh, that people could play with right away. I, I'd worked on other products that had um, several years of stealth mode and secrecy, uh, but I decided to try something different this time and um, develop it in the public eye, which was a great decision. I, I highly recommend it if any developers 
are watching this. So I, I tried to do a release every Friday for six months. These releases would expire in two weeks, which means that the people using them had to uh, try the latest release and give me feedback on the latest one. It also meant that I had to do a release every two weeks. Um, so each of these releases added new feature and incorporated feedback from the previous release. And then on May 10th, I released uh, BDOX Timeline 1.0. And then for the next year, we did updates. We added uh, universal binary support, um, support for BC dates, um, all kinds of new features. And then in November 2006, I announced that um, due to the success and the overwhelming feedback I got on the first version, I was going to completely scrap it and start over and build um, BDOX Timeline again from the ground up, which I codenamed T2. This, could, this was my opportunity to do everything, um, everything right that I learned from the feedback of the first version. So I still did a few more releases of the 1.0. But then a year later, in December of 2002, I released BDOX Timeline 2.0 um, for Mac OS X Leopard. This is a Leopard-only release. takes advantage of the latest uh, features in Mac OS X. It added uh, multimedia support, um, event links, multiple event rows, um, better layout, integration with other Apple applications, all sorts of things, which I'm excited to show you um, later on in the presentation. Since then, I've been trying to keep a frequent um, release schedule. This is part of getting um, customers involved. If you do a release every year or two, it's hard to get um, customer involvement. So I try to do a release um, once or twice a month. And my goal is each release contains at least one bug fix that a, feature, uh, that a customer has reported to me in that a previous period. And each release contains at least one new feature. And then in May, I released the 3D edition. And unlike the other versions, I kept this one a secret. I didn't develop this one in the public eye because I'd never seen anything like it. And, and um, frankly, nobody had asked for it. So I thought I would keep it a surprise. And I unveiled it in May. And it's been, it's been a huge success. And I've continued to do releases since then, both on the 3D and the standard edition. They're actually um, the same program but the 3D edition adds the 3D functionality. So that's the release history of uh, BDOX Timeline. Hopefully you can see this is an evolving, ongoing product. Uh, I love getting customer feedback. I love kind of shaping it little by little as it evolves uh, towards a better piece of software. And then I wanted to, to brag a little bit that I won the Apple Design Award in June for the best Mac OS X Leopard application runner-up. This is a huge honor for me to win. I, I've been watching my favorite applications and favorite developers uh, winning this award over the past few years. And uh, it's a huge honor to be in that crowd with those people. I wanted to talk a little bit about who the customers are. Um, Who's logged in next to you? I've sold BDOX Timeline in the last year to customers from 66 countries, so it's a very global product. It's, 
the user interface has been localized to English, French, and German with the help of a lot of customer volunteers who've helped uh, translate it. But the date formats are based on your system preferences. So people in any country for which Mac OS X is localized can create timelines in their own language with their own date formats, um, even though the labels in the user interface are, are, are localized to English, French, and German right now. And we're working on uh, adding more languages to that. We're also working on translating the website to more languages, too. So um, I may be asking customers for help on some of that translation as well. The, the um, biggest groups of customers right now are higher education customers, both students and um, professors. Lawyers, as I mentioned, originally sparked the idea, and they're still a, a well-represented group. And writers and filmmakers um, make up a, a good portion of BDOC's timeline customers, too. These are the customer groups. I, I have customers from all these groups, but these are the groups we're focusing on for the next versions of timeline. Um, so I encourage you, if you're in one of these groups, um, definitely send me an email. Let me know who you are and what you'd like to use timelines for. That's the most valuable feedback I can get as we um, sculpt BDOC's timeline in the future. And, and that's K through 12 education, uh, news media, genealogy researchers, and people who are using timelines to plan projects. Now, before we get into the software itself, I really want to take a moment and talk about why timelines. This is, I think, the most important question that people ask me, which is, um, the software looks great, the 3D is cool, why would I want to create a timeline? Which is a fantastic question, so let's talk about that a minute. And this is something that I think about all the time recently. If you have a good answer, why are you interested in timelines? Um, why do you use timelines in the work you do? Um, please leave a, a question in, the, in that uh, question box. This would be a, a fun thing to discuss about why people find timelines important for their work. Uh, here's my thoughts. History is everywhere. I, I didn't think about this until I started developing timeline software, but it, it really is everywhere. I'll, I'll give you a few examples. There's the history book history, which is what I first thought of. Um, that's kind of world history that you learn in school. There's Wikipedia histories, which contains a lot of the history book histories, but it also contains things like um, what are all the Macintosh models that Apple has ever released by the release date? There's a lot of that kind of history in Wikipedia, too, uh, which can be fun in a timeline. Um, legal cases, again, this sparked the idea of BDOC's timeline. This could be what happened in the 10 seconds leading up to a car crash, or what happened in 50 years leading up to a certain contract or business decision. There's personal timelines. Um, my children's first steps and first words and first day of school, I might want to remember and chart out that personal history. Um, there's professional histories. My resume uh, is an example of professional history. Or, or um, We talked about the history of the company. Um, also portfolios. I, I think a lot of those writers and filmmakers that I mentioned make up a big group of customers are using timelines to chart out the body of their work, their portfolio, and how it's evolved over time. There's uh, obvious geneal genealogy histories. 
there's planning histories. I like to think of this as history that hasn't happened, the future history. And um, if you're an educator, you might think about curriculum as, as this uh, brand of history. There's fictional histories. A lot of those writers that I mentioned are using timelines to chart out their characters' lives and how their characters' lives relate to each other. In fact, um, sometimes I get feedback that people would like to do fictional calendars, um, which the, timeline, the software doesn't support yet, but, but it's a great idea. And last but not least, all of your data has a history. The, the photos you take are all time-stamped with when you took them. Um, your email inbox is really a history of all your conversations. Um, your calendar contains a history of all your appointments. Your, your files have history. Your web browser has history. Just about everything on your computer has history. And um, a lot of this makes for really interesting timelines. Um, which our software in many cases supports with a single click because the information is already there on your computer. You can uh, create it instantly, and I'll show you that too. So history is everywhere. That's um, When you think about the relevance of timelines, think about all kinds of history, not just the history book history, but uh, recent history and the history that happens all the time around us. The, the other thing... Um, this has kind of become the keyword for us as we evolve the product forward and look to future versions, which is storytelling. And not necessarily how do you fit storytelling into a timeline, but how do timelines work with storytelling? Uh, I think storytelling works well as a narrative. You, you, you're talking or, or it's written down in a story, but timelines can create this great um, visual aid that goes along with any kind of storytelling. And again, um, Think broadly about storytelling. Um, it's not just reading a book. Um, storytelling, if you're a project planner, you might be telling um, the people you're managing the story of what a successful project is going to look like. Or if you're marketing, you might tell a, a customer story. Or if you're a student, you might tell the story of what you did last summer. There's, there's all kinds of storytelling, and timelines often work great um, partnering with storytelling. And finally, um, think about how facts, individual raw data, becomes understanding. Um, I, I think back to my college experience and the art history classes I took. And I enjoyed them, but the hard part was always you had to memorize all of these artworks along with the date they were created and the artist that created them. Um, just lots of facts to remember, lots of flashcards and slides to memorize. And, and facts are really useful, but they're the most useful when they're organized into some kind of knowledge. So what a lot of people do with historical facts is they create a chronology, which is basically the facts in order. And chronologies are really easy to create, so you see a lot of them. There's a lot of them on Wikipedia. Um, a lot of people use a spreadsheet to create a, a chronology. Um, and they're great. They, they organize facts in order. But I think much more understanding can be taken out of a timeline than a chronology. And what I mean by a timeline is you not only show the order of the events, but you show the relationships between the events. Um, in a timeline, you can see cause and effect relationships. You can see comparisons and contrasts. You can put two timelines together. Um, you can put, uh, again, this is something that the, the, the lawyers wanted to do. Um, what did the patient say 
What did the doctor say? What did the nurse say? How do these stories relate to each other? What's different about them? How do you compare them? Um, that art history example, um, if I want to see all of the paintings that Picasso did, it's, it's great to memorize all of their titles and dates, but how do they relate to world events? How do they relate to other artists and, and the work that they were doing? I feel like that's how you really extract information out of facts, right? is to organize it such that you can see those relationships. All right, now I'm going to take you on a tour through BDoc's timeline and show you um, how to create a timeline, how to add images and notes and links to it, how to adjust the visual design such that the look of the timeline fits well with the content of the timeline. Then I'll show you how to create instant timelines based on the data on your computer, and then how to print and uh, present them to your audience. Let's start with creating a basic timeline. When you first launch BDoc's timeline, you have this window that in the top row shows you a look for your timeline. This is just the, the colors and fonts that serve as a template. You can change all of these uh, later, but you can choose an, a, an initial template for your timeline. And then in the bottom row, you can choose uh, what data you want to start with. But we'll just start with a blank timeline for now. And then I'll click uh, Create Timeline and this panel will go away and we'll be um, faced with a nice blue blank canvas for our timeline. Then we need to add an event. And the thing I want you to notice uh, through the rest of this tour is that what we're really focusing on is the events in the timeline. This is kind of a key uh, design decision about VDoc's timeline that you should be aware of. You focus on the events and then everything else takes care of itself. So. That means we won't be focusing on the tick marks at the bottom of the timeline or the size, the, the width and height of the timeline. We won't be adjusting the layout of the events. Um, there's a lot of things that are automatic in BDoc's timeline. It's, it's not an illustration program. And that means that what, what you ought to be focusing on is the data and the events in your timeline. So we'll add an event. We'll click the Add button. Or in the Edit menu is an Add Event menu item. But if you're going to use this um, regularly, you should memorize this key combination, command E. That's the key combination to add an event because you'll be adding lots of events. So whenever I'm demonstrating this, I'll be using the command E or Apple E key combination to add new events to the timeline. So I'll click that and we get a new event here on our timeline. This light blue box is the edit box that you'll see whenever you're editing the contents of an event. We'll change the label. Uh, by default, it says new event, but I'll change the label to Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And then next, we need to set the start date. These are the two fields that every event requires, a, a label and a start date. But I only know the year. I only know 1492. I don't, I don't know the month and the date. Um, I think there's lots of educators watching this, so maybe somebody can chime in with the, uh, with the actual date. But I only know the year, and if I, if I only type the year in this box, the software will complain at me. It's pretty picky. It, it wants you to type uh, the date just like the format it's expecting. And the reason for this um, strictness is that that's how we support all the world's date formats. So we need to tell it to expect a year. So I'm going to go up to this panel on the side and choose the Dates tab. And then from the event date format menu, 
I'm going to choose a date format that only shows the year. And there's seven uh, date formats in here, but these are all based off of the date formats that your computer is set to. So for instance, if you're in Germany and you're using German date formats, you'll see German date formats in this menu. Um, one customer asked me this last week, how, did they, how could they switch the date such that it showed the date, the month, and then the year in this menu? And, and the way you do that is you tell your computer and system preferences that that's how you prefer to see dates. And it'll change here in BDOC's timeline, too. So I'm going to choose the year. I'm going to choose to show an era. It's the BCAD part of the date. And then if we come back to our event, you can see that the date format has changed in the event. Now it says 2008 AD. I'm going to change it to 1492 AD. And then I'm going to click anywhere other than that light blue box, click on the chart background, and it will the edit window will go away, and there's our new event on the timeline. And you can just add all of your events this way. But let's add some more... Um, some more information to our event here. This is the Wikipedia article for Christopher Columbus. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to take the URL up, up in the top of the browser, and I'd like to um, associate that with the event so that you could go straight from your timeline to this Wikipedia article. Um, I, I recommend doing this. Um, you don't want all the information about your events, everything you know, to be crammed into the timeline, or it'll create a really uh, messy and hard to read and hard to lay out timeline. Um, you just want to show those relationships, those cause and effect relationships. So you want to keep your events in the timeline short. But each event can link to much more detailed information, either a website or a QuickTime video on your computer or maybe another timeline or a keynote presentation. So, so keep, keep your events short, but link them to detailed information. I'm going to take part of this first paragraph and show you how to add that to the event. And I'm going to take this uh, painting of Christopher Columbus and drag it straight from the web browser into BDOC's timeline to add that to the event. So here's our event in BDOC's timeline. I'm going to double click it to put it in the edit mode. And then I'm going to copy and paste that information from the web browser into the fields in BDOC's timeline. And then I'm going to click uh, on the chart background and you see the layout happened automatically. It, it made it fit on the timeline and made it look good. Now, blue timeline uh, works pretty good for Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Um, but nevertheless, let me sh uh, show you. I took about 10 minutes um, last week to see if I could format this timeline to really give it a, a explorer look to it. Um, and when you're, when you're playing with the, the visual design, just keep in mind that the successful examples of this are a visual design that highlights the content in your timeline. Uh, don't just go crazy for its own sake, please. Um, here's the visual design tab on the side. You can choose a font, one font per timeline. You can choose the event text, and each event can be a different color if you'd like. You can uh, set the colors for the dateline and the row shading. That's the part at the bottom of the timeline. And you can set the background kind of like you can in uh, Keynote, if you're familiar with that, to, to colors or gradients or image, image fills. Each event can show or hide its descender. That's the, the thin line that goes from the event down to the bottom. You can adjust the image sizes and uh, the row, row settings, too. 
So here's what I started with, this, this blue Z uh, template. That was one of the default templates. And here's the look that I gave it uh, after about 10 minutes of playing around. I, um, the background has uh, some seagulls at the edge of the ocean. That picture I found on Flickr, and you can, um, one tip for you is you can do an advanced search on Flickr and show all the Creative Commons photos. Those are photos that people have given you um, kind of permission in advance to use for different purposes. I said, um, I want to see all the photos, Creative Commons, that are allowed for commercial use. And I found this wonderful ocean picture on there. I just dragged it from the web browser onto the, the background of the chart, and it filled it in. And then I tinted it a color so you could read the text. I set the text to a nice scripty font <clears throat> because Columbus probably didn't have his MacBook with him, so he, he was, you know, writing out there. And then all these colors, uh, another tip for you, if you have a key image in your timeline like this painting of Christopher Columbus, I use the eyedropper tool in the color palette to choose all of the uh, surrounding colors based on colors that occur in the painting. Uh, this is a great trick. Um, I'm not uh, super talented with color coordination, so if I find a, a picture I like and grab uh, this, the accompanying colors out of the picture, it often comes up with a great result. This is what that side panel looked like um, for this Christopher Columbus timeline that I modified. I, I had a script font. Um, the other thing to note is you can use colors that have some opacity uh, or some transparency set in them, which really works well. If you have an image in the background, choose, choose colors that have some transparency, and you'll be able to see the background image through the timeline. If you export to PDF, the transparency stays in there, too. So if you want to layer your timeline on top of something else in another software program, um, choose, choose some color values that have some transparency in them. Again, this is, this is the modified version. And now I'd like to... Um, show you a, a, a feature in BDOC's Timeline 2.0 called Instant Timelines. These are, these are timelines that if you don't want to bother with that whole Command-E copy and pasting thing, uh, you can create timelines in just about two clicks. So to give you an example of why you might want to do this, here's an album of photos um, that I took of my daughter and me visiting the zoo um, over the course of a morning. I, I, put them to, I took the best pictures and put them together in an album in iPhoto. I've published it as a mobile me gallery here. Um, but what this is, is this is a chronology. It's, it's individual photos organized in order. But it might tell the story better of how we spent our day if we had it in a timeline so that we could see how, how these pictures, um, how that day unfolded. So let me show you the end result. Here's the timeline I created just has those pictures from the iPhoto album, and they're all organized by the date that the, the camera stamped, stamped them with a date when I took the picture. And I'll show you how to make, make this timeline. On that opening page, you'll choose a look for your timeline. I'm going to choose the earthy look, because the brown seems to fit well with the zoo theme. And I'm going to choose iPhoto as the importer. We have a form here to, to choose which information you want to pull out of iPhoto to create your timeline. Up here, um, I didn't title these in iPhoto. I just imported them from the camera. So they've got this kind of messy title that the camera assigned. So I'm, I'm going to uncheck title so I don't import it. 
I'm going to include the date and time, and I'm going to include the image itself. I'm going to do the zoo album as the album I created. You're going to have the best luck if you have um, your pictures evenly distributed over time. With digital cameras, you tend to take maybe 50 pictures on one day, and then two months later, you take another 50 pictures. Uh, that makes a really ugly timeline. They just have these two giant columns of events stacked at either end. Um, so the way to be successful with the iPhoto importer is create an album that contains, first of all, just one version of each picture. Uh, trim out all those extra ones that your digital camera creates. And just choose the best pictures that describe an event. Um, and then it will create a beautiful timeline. And then we'll choose a date filter. This, I took these pictures last year, so I'm going to choose last year as the date range. And then this little label at the bottom right is really important. This says 21 events selected. If you, it's possible, based on the date range and the selections you make above, to, to have no events selected. And then this will have a little red message that says no events selected. Um, don't do that, or it'll just create a blank timeline. Um, but on the other hand, don't create one that has thousands of events, or um, it, the software will slow down. This will take forever, and you won't uh, you won't even have a timeline that makes much sense to look at because it'll just have thousands of events. So um, somewhere between a few dozen events up to a hundred events is usually um, what I find makes the most beautiful and easy to understand timelines. So I fill out this form, I click the Create Timeline button, and that's it. There's the timeline. That timeline that I showed you in the beginning is only that. I didn't make any adjustments. So the layout is automatic so that the events don't collide with each other. The length of the timeline is automatic. It's the shortest length for which all the events will fit. Uh, the tick marks at the bottom are automatic. Everything's automatic. Although you can come in and change it if you want to. Um, hopefully the automatic settings do a good job to get you started. A, a practical example of this is the holiday card my family made last year. Instead of doing a newsletter where we talked about everything we did the previous year, we thought, um, how about a timeline? So what we did is we made an album in iPhoto, and we pulled in pictures that represented the highlights of our year. We did that automatic import trick I just showed you to make a timeline of those photos. And then uh, we added some more events that that uh, we didn't have photos for. We used the add event uh, steps to add, add some extra events to it. We formatted it to fit the size card we wanted, and I'll show you how to do that in a minute. And then we sent it to the printer, and they made these beautiful uh, cards that showed our family's uh, previous year. So I just showed you the iPhoto importer, how to get your photos automatically into a timeline. If you use Apple's Aperture, which is their professional photography software, um, it'll work the same way. If you have contacts in your address book that have birthdays assigned to them, then you can automatically create a timeline of all your friends and family by their birthday. And this will pull in their profile picture too, which is really fun. If you've gone to the time to really make your address book complete that I I know I certainly spend too much time in address book trying to make sure I have every little field plugged in. If you're one of those kinds of people, then um, try creating a timeline based on it. I think uh, you'll be pleased. 
you can create timelines based on your iCal calendars. It works with iTunes, so it's um, fun to create a timeline of the music you've listened to recently by the date you've last listened to it. It works with albums and songs, and it'll pull in the cover art. Uh, this is System Profiler, I think is what that icon is. Um, I didn't originally have this in BDoc Timeline 2, but a customer wrote me and said, you know, my computer stores a log file of each of those system updates I perform on the computer. Um, would you create an automatic importer from that log file? And I thought, um, that's a bit geeky. You know, this is a, a mainstream consumer product. Um, but I went ahead and did it. Um, and it was in one of those point releases that I was talking about. And since then, it's become a really popular feature. Um, system administrators love this feature to show a timeline of everything they've updated on the computer. Um, so there's an example of customers collaborating there. I wouldn't have thought to do that, um, but it's been, it's been fun for the people that, that like to track that kind of thing. Also in one of the point releases, we added RSS. Uh, automatic importer. So if you type in the, the feed URL for a blog or a news site um, or a photo site, it will automatically create a timeline of that blog by the date each article was published. If you use NetNewsWire to manage your news feeds, you don't even have to type the URL because um, we sync up with NetNewsWire to pull in all of your subscriptions. You just choose the one you want and the date range, and it'll create a timeline including that it'll take pictures out of the individual um, news entries. And Skitch, this is a, a product by the people that made Comic Life. Um, this is a product to take uh, screen captures and eyesight captures and be able to draw on top of them and share them with your friends. If you use Skitch, uh, you can create a timeline of uh, all, all the artwork you've created with Skitch. And one thing to note here is a few of these third-party applications like Skitch, NetNewsWire, um, Aperture, um, not everybody has those installed on your computer. And if you don't have them installed, they won't show up in BDoc Timeline. Every time you launch BDoc Timeline, it does a spotlight search to see what applications are on your machine that it knows how to talk to, and it shows them to you. So if, if you say, I want NetNewsWire importing, why isn't it showing up? Um, Install NetNewsWire on your computer, and then it'll show up in BDocs timeline as well. Now, I've, I've uh, taken you through kind of step-by-step step how to create a timeline. I'm going to show you a video now. This is from our website that shows um, an example of me creating a timeline in more of a, a real-world, real-time speed that I would normally create a timeline at. Um, the example is based on a Wikipedia uh, chronology of timeline models. So here's a, here's a video of me creating a Volkswagen timeline. The other day I came across this timeline of Volkswagen models on Wikipedia. I'd like to show you how to chart these cars by their release date using VDOC's timeline. We'll set up the chart by setting the row title to say Volkswagen Models. And then I'm going to set the date format to only show the year. 
The Leopard Spaces feature works really well if I set up Wikipedia in one space and BDoc's timeline in the other space so that I can copy the information from Wikipedia right into the timeline. We could just drag images straight from the web browser into our timeline events. Let's add the Volkswagen Polo. It was released in 1975. And we'll grab the image. I'm going to go ahead and add a few more cars. Okay, now let's add one more car. How about the Volkswagen T2? Okay, I think we've added enough cars. Now let's go ahead and change the font and the color of the timeline so that it looks really Volkswagen. A lot of Volkswagen ads use the Gilsons font, so let's set that as the font for our timeline. And then we'll set the colors of our timeline to match this Volkswagen logo that I have set as my screen background. For the chart background, we'll do a gradient from light gray to white, kind of like the V and the W in the logo. Then we'll set the foundation of the timeline to match the medium blue color in the middle of the logo. Now I'm going to do a select all and change the event color to a medium gray. But we're going to feature the beetle in this timeline, so I'm going to select the beetle and change the color to the dark blue from the logo. Now I'm selecting a custom paper size I made just for the website, and the timeline will reformat to the custom paper size. And it looks like our beetle image could be a little bit bigger, so I'm going to make that bigger to feature it. And there you go, a timeline of Volkswagen models by their release date. Right, so um, hopefully you saw those steps I showed you in the, in the first walkthrough in the video, even though it kind of went by quick in the video. And again, one thing I just want to remind you of is that um, we're focusing on the events. Uh, the rest, we're letting the software take care of the details. We're focusing on, on those events in the timeline. Uh, now I'll show you about printing. Printing, printing timelines is difficult um, in any timeline software because you, you have this issue where timelines tend to get really, really long. Um, and if you uh, shrink them down to fit on one page, the, the, the text is really tiny. And if you have them going across lots of pages, you have to take the paper cutter and tape them together. Um, 
you should try it once, but it's, uh, you probably won't want to do it very often. So the key to printing out a timeline is to get it to fit on one page. Um, and this can be a little tricky with BDOC's timeline since um, so much is automatic. How do you get a timeline to fit on one page? This is probably the most frequently asked question that I get. Um, so I want to spend a minute here and show you how to do it. Basically, what I'm going to do, this is a, another um, video here I'll, I'll show to you while I'm talking, um, is I'm going to shrink the fonts and the image sizes such that the automatic layout can fit it on one page. And then uh, I'll adjust the fonts and images to try to make it look as clear as possible without losing that one page layout. So just to get started here, I'm going to choose uh, to import my blog, the RSS feed of my blog. I'm choosing the laser printer look for this, but um, you don't have to to print out. It's just black and white, which makes it nice for printing. Um, but you can choose any look you want if you have a color printer. I'm going to import the last two years of blog entries. So that's quite a few blog entries along with a photo from each of the blog entries as a photo. And if I choose print in the print menu, you can see that this is 17 pages. And that's too many pages. I want this to print on one page. Um, so I'll show you quickly how I get it from 17 pages down to one page. The first thing I'm going to do is make everything really small. I'm going to set the font size to 5 or 4, something really tiny. I'm going to set all the images to the, the minimum size. And I'm going to set the row height to its minimum size. I'm just setting everything tiny to get it to fit on one page. And here it is. That um, timeline that used to be 17 years is now one page. But let's try to make it look a little better, because uh, maybe I don't like this layout. So first I'm going to do is I'm going to change it from the portrait orientation to the landscape orientation. And notice the layout automatically adjusted. All the tick marks, everything's fit to portrait. And I'm going to see if I can get the font a little bigger, because 5 is a little hard to read. Um, I like to use the command plus and minus to change the font size. I do command plus to make it bigger, command minus to make it smaller. And I'm trying to find that point. What's the biggest font I can do without having it go to two pages? I just switched it to legal size um, so that I can get the font a little bigger. I'm trying to get a bigger font. Um, legal size allows me to go up to a 0.6. Um, or a six-point font in this timeline. And then I'm going to choose some images selectively and make those selective images bigger. And I'm able to make the images a lot bigger in the areas of the timeline where it's not really crowded with events. On, the, on this timeline, I wrote a lot of blog entries there in the middle. So, so on the ends, I can make the images bigger. If I try to make the images bigger in the middle in that crowded area, oops, it just went to two, two pages. Um, so I'm trying to find that point. Where's that image going to fit such that it'll not go to two pages? And I want this image to be bigger. So I'm going to go ahead and delete a few of the images around this one that I want to be bigger to give it some more space. And now I can make that event larger. Um, again, if this was for real, I'd probably delete all the images that were too tiny to see. And then the ones that remained, I'd make nice and big so they fit, but all the time trying to uh, make sure that I'm not jumping to two pages. It takes a little bit of time, but as you can see, this uh, took maybe uh, two minutes or so. And I took a 17-page timeline of the last two years of my blog entries. And I was able to fit it to one legal size page. Um, 
And I think this would look pretty good printed. I think you could read the, the text and um, I took out a few of the images, but the ones that are left are nice and big. Uh, takes a little practice, but, but you definitely can um, get large timelines to fit on, on um, one page or a few pages. And it's worth doing that if you want to use print, uh, if you want to share your timelines by printing. But there's other ways to sh uh, share timelines too. Especially if you're presenting to a group, if you have a, a projector and you're doing PowerPoint or Keynote, um, if you're a lecturer, then, um, then printing isn't the way you want to share your timelines. And the new 3D feature is exactly for that purpose. How do you share timelines to a group when everybody's sitting far away from the screen and may not be able to see tiny text? How do you deal with this problem of, of, of really long horizontal timelines? How do you present that to a group? And um, what I'm going to show you is the video that I posted originally to my blog to introduce the new 3D edition when I was first revealing it on the blog. Uh, it's a few minutes long. It's about five minutes long. And, and in it, I show you um, why 3D timelines are important and how to navigate through them. Hi, I'm Adam Berenger, and today I'm really excited to be able to announce to you the new 3D edition of BDOC's Timeline. One of the biggest challenges with presenting timeline charts is that you want to be able to display both the full context of your timeline, that's the whole story and how the events relate to each other, but you also want to be able to display the detail in your timeline. That's what happened at a particular event in your timeline. So how do you display both the context and the detail? It's challenging. One way is you can zoom in and out, like this. But when you're zoomed in, you really don't see much context. And when you're zoomed out, you really can't see the detail. So the idea I had was, if you turn it on its side, you can see the detail as well as quite a bit of the context. You can also move the piece of paper back and forth to go through your timeline and tell the story of what happened.
Besides viewing your timeline in full screen 3D, there are some new export options that you can share your 3D timeline with other people. In the toolbar, there's a Devices button. If you click that button, you can choose your Apple device that you'd like to optimize your 3D timeline video for. It has an iPhone option, which will create a movie that you can play on your iPhone. It has an iPod option, which will optimize the movie for a video iPod. It also has an Apple TV option. And then in the file menu, there's a QuickTime export where you can export full quality, high definition video of your timeline. And last but not least, you can now export to Keynote. If you click the Keynote tool in the toolbar, uh, you choose a presentation size, and it will automatically create a Keynote presentation for you with one slide for each event in your timeline. So that's the new BDOX Timeline 3D Edition. Be on the lookout for it. It should be up on our downloads page on May 12th. Download it and try it out and let me know what you think. My email address is adam at bdocuments.com. Feel free to send me an email with feedback or questions that you have. I really look forward to hearing what people think of the new features. Bye. So hopefully that shows an uh, introduction to why you'd want to use 3D timelines and some examples of 3D timelines. And uh, the feedback on this has been awesome. Um, we had a customer say this is the first time they had an audience gasp out loud at one of their presentations. And a lot of just great stories of people um, making history interesting and beautiful and um, clear and easy to understand. And I love stories like that. So I hope that you enjoy using the 3D features. And um, let me know how it goes when you present your timelines this way. I'd also like to show you how you can use timelines with other applications. Because um, our software is really focused on creating timeline charts. Um, but you are probably creating something other than timeline charts. You're creating a presentation or a lecture, or you're creating a handout or a, a report. So it's important to think about how timelines work with other applications to create those um, end results. You can use a lot of different software applications with VDOX Timeline, all of the um, graphic layout softwares, all the presentation softwares. Um, but I'm just going to highlight iWork this morning. Um, this is a screenshot of Pages. Um, I don't use pages that often, but um, it was easy to create this nice-looking pages document in a few minutes, um, even though it's not an everyday software for me. What I did was I, um, in pages, you get these templates of what, what do you want your document to start, start like. And there was one, I think it was a fashion template that had this great layout with a picture of somebody in that big box there at the top. So I created a Picasso timeline and BDOX timeline and saved it out as a PDF to my desktop. And I dragged the PDF into where the image uh, of the person was in the pages template. And 
often in pages you'll drag images into into those um, image areas and it'll automatically do the cropping for you but you can drag PDFs in there too so if you create a PDF of your timeline just drag it in where those images are in the pages templates and it crops it nicely I adjusted the size to, to sh highlight the portion of the timeline that I wanted in there and then I changed the title and then I used that um, that handy dandy eyedropper tool in the color palette is my favorite uh, Mac OS 10 feature I think um, to get the titles to match the colors that are in the timeline. So that's how you integrate with pages. I want to talk about how you integrate timelines with Keynote. I know that a lot of people are going to be using Keynote and timelines together. It's what I've been doing this morning. You've been watching a Keynote presentation and all the timelines in it. I've integrated um, using Keynote in, in a variety of different ways and I'm going to talk just briefly about the three different ways that I like to take timelines and integrate them in Keynote. Um, unfortunately, I, I can't spend all the time to, to go into all these techniques in detail. You just kind of have to spend the time to, to get familiar with Keynote, but it's worth it. It's, it's an awesome application, and it, it works fantastic with media that you create in other applications like BDocs Timeline. So the first and most easy way to get a timeline into Keynote is to push that Keynote button in the toolbar of BDocs Timeline. Yeah, um, it's only in the 3D edition, the, that button. So you push the Keynote button in BDocs Timeline, and it will create a Keynote presentation for you. You choose which size you'd like it to be. And the presentation has a slide for every event in your timeline. So let me show you what that looks like. Um, in BDocs Timeline, I click that toolbar button. I choose the size of my presentation and click OK. It launches Keynote, and it creates a presentation full of slides. Um, this is the first slide that it created. It's my timeline in 2D. And then this is the next slide it created. It just creates this series of slides for each event. Here's, here's the next one. Um, this is super quick. The results look great. The, the image quality is great on these. Um, but you don't have that animation between the transitions. So a technique that takes a little bit longer but preserves those transitions um, is the next one. In BDocs Timeline 3D, you can export to high-definition video. And then you can put that high-definition video in your keynote presentation. And the thing to keep in mind with doing this is that if you're talking through your timeline, you may want points in your timeline where it pauses and allows you to talk. And Keynote has this great feature that's kind of hidden. Um, not many people know about it, but if you put a video in your Keynote slide, you can set the start and stop points for that video. Um, so you create a series of slides. Each one has start and stop points that follow the other one and it appears that it's flowing through your timeline and it pauses at each point for you to talk. And if you do that, Keynote will only, it creates a big Keynote file, but it'll only create one version of that high definition video, so it's not as big as it might be. And I used this technique earlier when I was walking through the history of BDocs timeline. Um, here's a slide that has a video with start and stop points, and then there's the stop point. And when I push the space bar, it's gonna go to the next slide which picks up where this one leaves off. So I'm going to push the space bar, um, and now it'll pick up 
where I left off and finish the video. Uh, Don McAllister of Screencast Online did a feature on BDOC's timeline last week. Um, if you search for Screencast Online, you'll see his, his uh, half-hour walkthrough of BDOC's timeline. He does a great job of going into detail about this technique, if, if you're interested in it. Um, go look that video up on Google. The third technique to get timelines into your keynote presentation um, is really handy, and this, this one works whether or not you have the 3D edition. So if you have the standard edition, this is the one you'll want to do. Um, export your timeline as a PDF file. Drag it into Keynote. Um, that's all you need to do. Um, but what's more fun is if you use the animation actions in Keynote to, um, you can pan or zoom in to your timeline. You can do the Ken Burns type of thing. You can rotate it and change the opacity. Uh, PDFs preserve transparency, so you can put things behind your timeline. If you want to put, if you wanted to get crazy and put a video behind your timeline, you can do that stuff too. And this is what I was using when I showed you the zoo timeline. This is a PDF, and I'm using Keynote to pan it from left to right. It wasn't animated when I exported it from BDUX timeline. That's, that's Keynote doing that. The image quality on this, this is a great technique. It uh, has great image quality. And one thing to point out on any of these techniques is you don't have to just show the timeline. You can layer all kinds of information on top of your timeline. Um, whether using Keynote or Pages or page layout software, you can, um, don't forget that you can add more things to your timeline. You can add titles or videos, um, anything you want. So let me give you an example of this. Here's that same timeline made with a PDF, and this little title flying in, Day at the Zoo, uh, was made with Keynote. And then it dissolves. And uh, once again, this is really fun because uh, all that transparency is saved. Let me uh, play that one for you again. Notice when the title comes up, that green background is a little bit transparent, so you can see the timeline underneath. Um, this, this stuff works great, and you can make a really impressive presentation uh, combining timelines with other applications. And that's the end of our quick tour through BDOC's timeline. Um, on our website is six different videos of creating timelines, six different timelines, and a video creating each one. That's a great place to look for, for more information, more videos of how to create timelines. Um, now, hopefully, you'll want BDOC's timeline and want to use it. Um, I know there's a lot of educators listening to this particular webcast. The price of BDOC's timeline is $40 for the standard edition and $65 for the 3D edition. Um, they're both active, ongoing um, projects, but the 3D edition adds that 3D functionality and those 3D exports. But if you're a student or teacher or buying for a school, we've got um, great academic pricing. Um, for students or teachers or faculty of schools, uh, the 3D edition will be $39, and then um, even better prices for site licenses. This is just, uh, these prices are, are 
brand new. We had higher prices, but one of the other um, independent Mac developers encouraged us to, to, to go low on our site licensing. So it's brand new. It's not even on the website yet. But if you want these prices and you're watching this um, webcast, send me an email, adam at bdocs.com, and I'll get you hooked up with these. Or um, I should have them up on the website in um, a week or two. I intend for all this to live at bdocs.com slash edu. Um, there's nothing there now. I apologize for not getting it up in time for the webcast, but we're working on that page. It's going to contain the academic um, discounts as well as hopefully case studies um, and some interesting ideas from teachers and students. That's what we intend to put on this web page. Um, if you're watching this and you have a great story of how you're using bdocs timeline, please email me. Uh, we're looking for great customer stories to feature on this website uh, as we're putting uh, this EDU section of the website together. Um, you can send purchase orders to me at adam at bdocs.com. And as I mentioned, if you would like a site license or an education discount, um, send me an email, send you a coupon code, and you can, you can buy that through our, our uh, checkout system. To get started, um, go to bdocs.com slash download and download the software. Um, the, the newer editions, the 2.0 edition and the 3D edition, which I showed you today, require Mac OS X Leopard. Um, so if you have Leopard, go ahead and download one of those. We have an older version there. Um, if you have an older version of Mac OS X, you can download the older version of BDOC Timeline, and it'll work. It doesn't have all the new features, but um, you can create quick and easy professional-looking timelines with the older version, too. Um, the, the free trials will allow you to do anything except printing and export. So you can go ahead and create timelines. You can play with those instant um, timeline importers, see how your timeline is going to look with BDOC's timeline. All of that can be done with a free trial, but then you'll need a license to export or print. And you can uh, buy the licenses on our website. You enter the license code, and, and those features will be unlocked. Um, be sure to watch the demo videos on the website. As I said, I have six of them on the home page that show some of the importers and, and show some timelines being created. I often put videos on the blog. Um, Every time I do a major new feature in one of the point releases, I often will put a, a video on the blog to show how the new feature works. So if you, if you look through the archives there, you'll find some interesting videos on um, the Net Newswire importer, on dragging images onto the background, on um, manual adjustment of the tick marks. Um, there's a lot of videos kind of hidden in the blog there, and uh, we're working on getting those into a, into a library that's easy to find, but for right now, they're hidden in the blog. Do subscribe to the blog. Uh, I often show stuff that I'm working on on the blog in order to get feedback, and, and the feedback really does count. It, it really does uh, matter. Um, uh, the blog is the way you can participate in um, shaping BDOC's timeline and connecting with other people that are using BDOC's timeline and uh, get their advice on things, too. A lot of these tips, that keynote video tip, um, came from a customer. And that's the presentation. Please, if you haven't already, um, write a question. I'd love to talk about 
um, me or the company, or why timelines? Why are you interested in timelines or anything about the software? Great. Thank you, Adam. Um, as Adam mentioned, we do have time for additional questions, so uh, please type those in. And um, a, a number of viewers have just simply commented, great job, great application, very interesting uh, demo. Uh, we also have two different answers on the question of the actual uh, date of Columbus's voyage. So I guess we, we didn't gain any clarity there. Uh, we have uh, Fred from Santa Clara saying it was August 3rd um, with a um, attribution to Wikipedia. And then we have a viewer in France who said it was October 12th. So I'm wondering maybe the difference is when he left uh, Spain versus when he landed in the Americas. That would only give him, I guess, uh, two months and a little bit more than a week. Um, and I don't have any expertise on sailing the Atlantic, so I'm not sure if that theory would hold any water. So let's, uh, let's get into the questions. Again, please uh, type them in if you haven't already, but we do have some here. Um, we have a classroom of uh, university students uh, in Mexico City uh, who viewed the webcast and a couple questions from that group. Um, is your product used currently by any newspapers? Their idea um, is simply that you could have a wonderful uh, timeline as a summary at the end of a news article. Do you know of any professional news organizations, uh, print outlets that are using uh, your product for, for such an application? Um, I haven't seen any yet. Um, Definitely, we've been in contact with news organizations, some major news organizations that are very interested in using timelines. As I mentioned, early in the presentation, I showed the customers who um, make up our customer base now and the ones that we're focusing on for the next version, and news media is in that next one. Um, one of the things a lot of the news media sites want is interactive timelines on the web. Um, they want people to be able to um, go through timelines at their own pace on the web. So. That's something that we are um, spending a lot of attention on, trying to come up with the best way to do that for some future release, probably next year. Um, it's, it would be quick and easy to just dump a timeline on the website. But as with the 3D stuff, um, where we said, how do you really want to present a timeline um, to, a, to an audience? Uh, we're trying to give similar thought to the web. Rather than just take what we have now and put it on the web, what do people really want when they come to a website? How do they really want to interact with a timeline on a news site? Um, and we're working hard on that. And if if um, if you are involved in a news site or would be interested in showing timelines on the web, please send me feedback. And, and the best kind of feedback is not, um, you know, I think you should use Flash or I think you should use Ajax, that kind of feedback, um, because we have expertise in that. The, the best kind of feedback is, here's a website where I would like to present a timeline. I imagine a timeline being right here to highlight this kind of article. Um, tell me how you would use it. Tell me how, um, you know, what do you, want the pro what do you want the timeline, what kind of problems do you want it to solve on the website? That's the kind of feedback that we're hungry for as we build a product that works better on the web and also, I think, in turn, will work a lot better for news media. Great. Uh, again, a reminder, you can type in your questions. Um, we're getting um, re requests for the archive already. And again, this will be available through maclearning.org. Uh, all the webcasts are archived in an iTunes U instance uh, hosted by Duke University. 
so look for it there on MacLearning.org, approximately about two weeks after uh, today's webcast. Um, interesting question about uh, using a timeline for a, a diary, and basically then you would accumulate uh, events as you experience them, maybe a daily diary or, or whatever. Um, a technical question, I guess, is how big can the file become over time if you just continuously add diary entries and create a timeline? What, do you know what the upper limits are on file size? Uh, the files can be really big. Uh, the main factor in how big the, the, the file size, and by that I mean the, the size on disk, is the images. Um, it's, it stores the full resolution of your images, even though if you're displaying a 2D timeline, it only displays that tiny little image. It preserves the full resolution of the image such that if you wanted to print on a high-resolution printer, the resolution would be there. In 3D, the images get a little bigger, and it, it uses the resolution. So if you're concerned about file size, um, resize your images first um, down to something maybe in the five or 600 pixels range is the largest dimension. Um, the, the timeline's still going to look great. The timeline's still going to look great in 3D, and the file size will be a lot larger. Uh, another concern, and I, I'm not quite sure which, which one the question refers to, but uh, another concern that a lot of people have is how, how long the timeline is, um, especially if they're printing. And timelines can get uh, super long if you have a lot of events, and each event has images and notes and a long label. Um, you just need a long timeline to fit them all on. So if that's the concern, what I really recommend is that the thing in your timeline is just a, an overview. It's just a summary of what happened on that day. And then the text, you know, the detail of what happened is in another program. For instance, if you're doing a diary, um, find a great application like... <clears throat> um, any application you want, let's say, let's say Keynote, for example, um, or there might be specific diary software out there. Um, create, create your diary entry in that, and then use BDOC's timeline to show just the highlights, just the labels of what happened on each day, and link those events to that more detailed events in the other software. That's really the way you want to do it, I think. Um, if you try to cram all of the content into a chart, um, it's going to create a gigantic chart um, that's going to be cumbersome to deal with. Uh, let's see. The next question uh, is typically what we get for software developers, and you can decide whether or not to answer it. That is, any hints for what's coming in version 3 or the next major update, or is that sort of a stay tuned? Uh, well, the, the place to get hints is on the blog, so I encourage you to go there. I mentioned... Um, that web export is something that we're working on. I, I am happy to mention that here because it's something that I've talked already on the blog about. Um, I've posted examples of the best web-based timelines that I found, um, one from the New York Times, one from the BBC, um, on the blog to get people's feedback on what they think of those. All of those are custom in-house um, timeline developments that I'm sure cost a lot of money, and I'm hoping to make it quick and easy uh, for Mac users. Um, so web export is, is a huge feature that we get requests. You know, every week I get several requests for web export. That's definitely part of the 3.0. Um, project management timelines are another major feature that we're working on. Um, 
And what I mean by that is right now all the timelines require real dates, like August 26th. Um, what you cannot do right now in the software is say week five, day three. And, and that's the kind of date formats that a lot of project planners want to use. Um, so those are two. We've got some more and more major features that I'll keep secret for now. Um, but when I'm ready to talk about them, the blog is where I'm going to talk about them. Um, if you want hints, look at that list of who the, who the customers are for the next version, uh, K through 12, news media, genealogy, and project planning. Um, those are the people that the next major release is focused on, and then the features are going to flow out of what those people require out of timeline software. So the, uh, the application, the 3D version, has been out for how many months now? It came out in March. In, in March. Um, and you mentioned the EDU portion of your website. Have you thought about um, how to sort of engender a community of education users, how they could exchange best practices, ideas? And sort of related to that, is there a capacity in the application today or maybe in the future um, to export templates? Um, and I'm thinking of that in two levels. One is sort of the, the background and the color and so on. And the other one is the data models. And I, and I thought of that when you mentioned sort of cause-effect relationships. So you may have um, discipline-specific discipline sort of timelines that people have created. Maybe, you know, historians is the obvious example, but maybe in engineering or, or some of the sciences, cause-effect. How, how can end users sort of exchange both information and best practices, but also sort of templates, both background and sort of data model? Mm -hmm. um, what are your, your thoughts on all that? Uh, that's a good question, <laughs> kind of a hard question. Uh, as far as as far as the look and feel part, um, the looks are basically a timeline with no events, right. and just the, the colors and the fonts set. So it's easy to create one and share it. Um, at the moment, there isn't a way to get your custom look into that opening panel, but it's just a blank document. Um, so if if you want to create a specific look, say for your school or your company, create a timeline that looks great, and then delete all the events and use that as a starting point. Um, in the future, I would love to be able to get your own templates in that uh, opening panel. That's been a, a popular request. As far as sharing the uh, data with each other, um, it's a good question. I, I and I, I've thought about it, and, and there's all kinds of features that I can think about. Say, for example, publishing the events in your timeline to an archive. If you wanted events on Christopher Columbus, you could type in Christopher Columbus, and all the events would come out of the archive. Um, th th that would take a long, a lot of effort to develop. Um, um, but the problem for me is not coming up with features. The pr problem with me is really understanding the problems my customers face and and how I can pick and choose the features to address those problems. So if if if, if people listening to this webcast want to share the events in their timelines with other people. Um, let me know so I can really understand that challenge that you face, and then we'll address it. I found that Wikipedia um, you know, is, is collaborative, very thorough, um, tons of articles on historical subjects. If you type in timelines as a search on Wikipedia, they have articles that are just archives of all the timelines on Wikipedia, just hundreds of timelines and chronologies that are already there. Um, those are great starting points if you're going to create a timeline on a historical subject. Go to Wikipedia and 
nearly every subject already has a chronology, and you'll have to type it into VDoc timeline. Um, and Wikipedia is, is interactive, so if, if you have if you notice something missing from one of those, you can add it. So definitely, I, f I feel like there's already resources on the web, like Wikipedia and probably other ones too, um, where people are talking together about history and, and mutually coming up with um, what they feel is an ac accurate portrayal of history. Um, that's a great place to start when you're looking for data to use in your timelines. Okay, well, um, I, again, I'd like to thank Adam uh, for joining us in the studio this morning. Great application, really looking forward to the updates and, and also the, uh, the education site um, as you sort of uh, grow out your, your community of users. And I, and I think we're going to be surprised by what uh, some of your customers wind up doing with your applications. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting to see that. Um, so, again, thanks to Adam and BDocs, and uh, please join us next month. Uh, the fourth Wednesday of September, and we will announce what the uh, webcast will be about on the maclearning.org website. Thanks again, and see you next month.